Today, we are interviewing the CTO from one of the top layer one blockchains in the world. Algorand is one of the most discussed crypto projects out there. And today, we're going to look under the hood and find out what the future holds in store. Welcome to The Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of The Bean Pod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator, which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Welcome to The Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka The Jolly Green Investor. And this is Josh, The Nifty Investor. Today, we have a very special episode. We're going to be interviewing the CTO of one of the top layer one blockchains in the world. So today, we have John Woods, the CTO of Algorand. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this episode for a while. You know, we've talked about Algorand on the Bean Pod many times. We did a Truth About Algorand episode. We've covered them in several altcoin updates. So yeah, we've, we've really been looking forward to having someone from the foundation on the show. So why don't we just kick this straight off? Tell us what's been going on with Algorand lately. What are the biggest updates? What are you most excited about? Sure, absolutely. So I'm John. Yeah, I'm the CTO at the foundation. Just to give a little bit of background uh, as to you know my career history, in terms of the crypto things I've done, I worked at Consensus, uh, which is an Ethereum-based blockchain studio, uh, focused on leading out architecture and applied cryptography. So building out the software architecture uh, for Ethereum-based enterprise apps and also working on the, the applied cryptographic primitives that we would use. And then uh, more recently, before I joined Algorand, I was the um, uh, head of architecture uh, and applied crypto over at IOHK, the company behind Cardano. So um, I was the chief architect there and I was responsible for architecture and engineering on Cardano for the time that I spent there. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so Algorand uh, is a very attractive uh, layer one blockchain. Um, and I can say that because I guess I've worked across some of the industry's best projects. I've worked across, you know, the blue chip um, layer one projects that are out there. And so I kind of have an insight into the state of the art um, and what represents fantastic engineering uh, in, in terms of the blockchain space. Um, and so I can say that, you know, when I look at Algorand, when I when I was, uh, you know, considering the role and, and, and about to join the firm, uh, the foundation that is, really um, what stood out to me was the quality of the engineering uh, on Algorand. Algorand's distributed systems engineering is second to none. And so you can look at it um, from many different angles. When I'm looking at a blockchain, I like to kind of slice it into three components okay largely one um you have like the ledger layer this is the rules around how the ledger works uh this also tends to be you know how the the uh the smart contracts are executed the types of things you can do with the smart contracts that kind of stuff the second chunk or you know layer is really the consensus so how is consensus achieved in, in, the, in the in the network how is the blockchain kept in sync uh, globally and of course this is kind of the heart uh, of all right. blockchains um, and then you have like this network layer, right? So uh, data has to flow between nodes on the network and people's transactions have to be processed and uh, smart contracts have to flow across the network. And so when I look at uh, Algorand through these lenses of ledger, consensus and network, uh, it's, it's killer good. Um, and so, yeah, we can dive into any particular part of that that you would like. I guess, um, what does Algorand kind of offer? Straight off the bat, it offers best in class smart contract programmable based blockchain. 
It's a finite supply, so it has about 10 billion coins, or it has exactly 10 billion coins. There's less than that in circulation at the moment because the foundation holds a chunk, uh, which they spend on the ecosystem and the development uh, of, 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 I guess, the broader health of, of Algorand. It has, uh, like Ethereum, it, it has a kind of a, a virtual machine at its core. Okay, so a bit like when you're when you're running your Mac or Windows computer at home, you have uh, you can you can run a virtual machine, like you can run a, another copy of Windows inside Windows, or another copy of Mac OS inside Mac OS, uh, or a copy of Linux inside Mac OS. Um, like that, Algorand, similar to Ethereum, has a virtual machine, and that's the place that the smart contracts get executed. So when folks are writing uh, smart contract apps, those code that, that code gets compiled down to our assembly language Teal into a bytecode and gets executed by the VM. But the difference is, say, between Algorand and, and, say, Ethereum and Cardano is that Algorand is built for speed and precision. So if you look at the kind of high-level metrics on it, we have block finality, and we can talk about what that means in a minute, but linked to our, linked to our wonderful consensus algorithm, uh, we have block finality within three and a half seconds. And it's going to be going down to about 3.2 seconds or 3.3 seconds uh, with an update very shortly. Mm. And so this puts our TPS around 10,000 transactions a second. Now, things like Visa will be up there with 60, 70, thousand transactions a second, but 10,000 is extremely competitive, especially uh, with the decentralized the decentralization that Algorand enjoys. And so this is more than enough to see your transactions processed within three seconds flat. Yeah, um, Yeah, and then la last thing I would just add is uh, Algorand manages to achieve all of this uh, decentralization, self-sovereignty, et cetera, uh, all of those great things I talked about, like the TPS and the finality, uh, and, and doing so by whilst using about 80 kilowatts of energy. and I've been trying to kind of paint people a picture on what 80 kilowatts kind of means. Um, and it's like a Tesla being charged. If you like, I think most Teslas, when they're on a supercharger, they're hitting about 150 kilowatts. So it's like right. half the amount of energy a Tesla uses at a supercharger. Right. So it sounds like there's, you know, Algorand has a very competitive advantage over uh, the other layer one blockchains out there. You know, I know Ethereum was proof of work, transition, transitioning to proof of stake to yeah. enable themselves to be a lot more green. Uh, environmentally friendly, uh, you talk about these kilowatts. Um, so, you know, if, maybe if you could explain it to me, like I'm five years old, how is Algorand, you know, we're, we got the jolly green investor on the show. Yes. Yeah, we're, so we're being stock. We, we like to look for green cryptos. How are you guys able to, to maintain this level of green um, energy consumption? Uh, and so just so people have a brief understanding, uh, a watt is a, is a measurement of energy that's being used. And the way you, you, you reach a watt uh, the way you calculate watts is you multiply the voltage being used by the current being used against basic electrical engineering. And so the power usage of everything from a power shower to a kettle to charging your iPhone, all of these things are measured in, in watts. Um, so, you know, 80 kilowatts is like minuscule. Uh, and and you got to put it in perspective. That's for the execution of the global layer one Algorand blockchain. So globally available in every country that has the internet, uh, tr transactions that are final, done, confirmed within three seconds, and decentralization, which you can rely upon. To run that global network at 10,000 transactions a second, uh, whilst using the amount of power that your neighbor's using charging uh, their car, pretty good. And yeah. so and so, how does that, how, how do we do this? And so <clears throat> talking about the chunks I mentioned earlier, I, I mentioned, you know, ledger consensus and network, let's Let's double click into consensus because that's where the magic is. That's where most of the power usage is. Um, when we talk about proof of work and it's got a name for itself being quite uh, quite anti, you know, you know uh, quite, quite 
carbon emitting. It's not very green. People would know Bitcoin is using, a some people say it's a waste of energy. I'm not certain I agree with that necessarily, but let's say uh, you take that tack. The reason that's the case is not because of Bitcoin's ledger layer or Bitcoin's uh, network propagation layer where it's sending the blocks around. Instead, it's because of the, the mining that goes on. This is in the heart of the consensus algorithm. And so the way Bitcoin, and to kind of explain like you're, explain like your five kind of thing, just because of course people are all, all different technical levels. Some people are engineers, some people are not. The way Bitcoin achieves this consensus is by many computers uh, competing together, solving uh, solving a, a mathematical problem. And their processes heat up, right? This, if your laptop was sitting on your lap and it was mining Bitcoin, it would get hot. You'd have to take it off your lap. Um, and so when you add up all that energy across all those computers that are wearing away, um, trying to, trying to uh, mine Bitcoin or solving this problem, it just turns out to be a big number. On Algorand and other proof of stake chains, but specifically on Algorand where the power consumption is extremely low, the consensus algorithm doesn't use this uh, mining thing. Uh, it's no longer doing this mathematical problem, making your computer hot. Instead, your computer, when it's running Algorand, runs extremely cool. Uh, and so not a lot of power is used. And so how, is, how do we achieve? So the natural question is probably, well, that's great and everything, but how do you achieve consensus? How do you achieve a secure network whilst also being decentralized and not using any power? It sounds like Bitcoin thought you needed to use power to achieve those things. And the answer to that is the breakthrough that Silvio Macali, who's our founder, uh, who's the founder of Algorand. Silvio is an, uh, an Italian academic. Uh, he is a, uh, a, you know, a, a professor in cryptography. Uh, he has been, uh, he's a world-renowned mathematician and cryptographer, and he's got a Wikipedia page. You can look him up, type Silvio Macali wiki, and you'll see it on Google. Uh, and he has invented many, many things that we use today globally on the internet, primitives or Lego bricks uh, that you can build more complicated things with in mathematics and cryptography. Silvio's work pioneered zero-knowledge proofs. It pioneered uh, things called VRFs, verifiable random functions. Now, folks may not have heard of a lot, a lot of this stuff, but it's used every single time you talk to your bank. It's used in day-to-day -day when you're using the internet in a secure way. So the key insight into how Algorand manages to achieve consensus in a decentralized, secure, and scalable way but not using much energy comes back to that VRF thing he invented. This VRF thing, what it really lets us do is take the entire decentralized swarm. If you can think of it like a swarm, a swarm of bees where every bee is a node in the Algorand network. That's the decentralization, right? There's thousands of these nodes. They're all talking to each other. And this VRF lets us pick one of those bees from the swarm to produce a block. It then lets us pick from from the blocks that are proposed whittle it down to a single block so let's say let's say in, in the first stage we end up with a number of bees that are selected as an example we can then in our second stage run this vrf process again using very little energy as in your your, your apple watch could run it your your casio calculator could run it it's very low it's very low computational effort but we can run this consensus algorithm again this vrf and now have everyone form on one block in the entire network agrees on a single block and then finally that block is verified and added to the chain and this whole process of selecting blocks to be proposed from the swarm verifying the block and then adding it to the chain this all happens in around three seconds or 3.3 seconds and and uh, that's the key insight it's like macaulay's vrf essentially allowed us to randomly but in a verifiable way pick someone to propose a block and validate the block without using much energy.
that's that's the core insight. Interesting. So I'm going to keep it along the lines of sustainability here because we talk about this a lot on the show. And I'm sure you find a similar thing that we find. Whenever you go onto the website of, of a layer one blockchain, everyone makes the same claim. We're the most sustainable. We're the most green. We're the fastest. We've solved the blockchain yeah. trilemma, right? When we, whenever Josh and I do a truth about it, and you know, you go to the website and everyone says the same thing. And, you know, Algorand makes the claim or, you know, one of the most sustainable. And, and you know, from, from what it, you just described, it sounds like obviously you, you have the technology to back it up. But in your opinion, is it that everyone is, so, you know, for example, I don't know, Hedera Hashgraph or Near Protocol or all these other layer ones that are, are trying to be fast, sustainable and scalable. Is everyone doing it in a slightly different way? And in their opinion, it's the most sustainable or is there no benchmark to say who is really the most sustainable? Is everyone the most sustainable in their opinion because everyone has different technology to back it up? Or is, you know, what's going on there? What, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer is no, there's a lot of horseshit. <laughs> I assume I'm allowed to use that word. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of horseshit out there. Um, and it's really infuriating. And so look, Algorand is not, I'm not saying it's the absolute greatest in every single uh, category. It doesn't have the, the highest number of TPS. I think that probably goes to Solana or something like that. Um, it maybe doesn't have the greatest educational docs. I'd say that goes to Near, which is also a very interesting project. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of that one. I don't hold any of it, but I, I still really like it. Um, but Algorand is, is great on all the things that matter. It has a very fast and high precision uh, virtual machine that executes Turing complete code so that you can basically express anything in, the, in, in a smart contract. Um, it has a killer finality. It's probably the, the, the secret sauce really is this finality, this idea that on Bitcoin, you've got to wait for confirmations on Cardano. Okay. On Bitcoin, you wait, you wait an hour. Cardano, you wait two minutes. Uh, on Algorand, you wait three seconds. But th those virtues about TPS being 10,000 or 80,000, 10,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 or 100, those things to me, uh, they only matter. This finality, this TPS, the, v, the VM stuff, all the, all the geeky stuff around the smart contracts, all that stuff only matters. If your blockchain is also decentralized, secure, and robust, okay? Right. And, and scalable as a fourth one, I guess. And so, and so not all of the chains that call themselves kind of the greenest, fastest, bestest, not all of them can say that they're decentralized. Many of them have centralized coordinators. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I've seen a number, I don't, I don't like picking on chains, but like we've seen a number of times where, uh, you know, the validators are turned off uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, we'll just pause transactions on the network for a right. while. Uh, quite a funny one. Um, you know, going to robust, you know, re being robust is very important. I'm not saying systems have no downtime. It's okay to have some downtime. That's natural. Netflix has downtime. Google has downtime. Very little, but it has it sometimes. Um, and so we always want to solve for a robust network that people can rely upon. No good if you're using Algorand to, for a ticket to enter a soccer stadium if you get there and the network is down and you can't get into the stadium. No good if you need Algorand to send a transaction um, and, and it's not there when you, when you need it to send money to someone who needs it. And so um, I can stand here now and say that Algorand has no downtime in mainnet. It may not always stay that way uh, because of course this stuff is hard and it's very hard to maintain 100% uptime in any, in any electronic service or any, any digital service. But uh, we've done a pretty great job at keeping the network, uh, at writing a network and architecting a network that's robust and also operating that network in a robust but decentralized way. And I think a lot of blockchains can't say that. So I guess, you know, to, uh, to answer your question, I would say you're dead right. There's a lot of spoofers out there. 
it, it breaks my heart when I see some of them, especially because there's a lot of good guys too, but there's a ton of spoofers that get more that get more uh, limelight sometimes than they should. And I think Algorand uh, is killer good in every category that matters, whilst also actually being decentralized, actually being secure and scalable, and actually being robust and reliable. And then one last thing, I just want to pick uh, on something that I've seen recently. And this, this is, I'm, I'm picking a little bit on Hedera here. This is a little bit saucy, but this is something I've seen I wasn't too, too a big fan of. When I quoted the numbers earlier on, I said to you, hey, Algorand runs at about 80 kilowatts of instantaneous energy use at any one time, and that, that is the truth. Um, I seen a, I, I was at I was at consensus in Austin, Texas, a few a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Whatever it was, was it like last month, was it? Yeah, yeah. We, Josh and I were down yeah. there as well. Yeah, cool. I, I'm I'm sorry I didn't run into you guys. Um, but yeah, Austin's great. We had my Stubbs barbecue, very good. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm at Austin, I'm in Austin, and I see this sign right, and Hedera have a have a big booth, and they're saying, hey, you know, our transactions per second, uh, sorry, the energy use per transaction is really low. And I'm looking at it going, hmm, that's a funny way to quote it. So rather than quote the energy use of the network in an absolute, in absolute terms, as in the, you know, the, the Hashgraph network uses this X amount of energy, instead, they've linked the energy use to a per transaction metric. And so because for proof of stake networks, generally speaking, when they're up and running, network energy usage stays relatively static. And what I mean by that is Algorand doesn't dip from 80 to 50, back up to 100. It, it stays around 80 because you don't have material changes in the number of validators in the network on proof of stake networks generally. So once you're up and running, you're at a constant energy use. When you quote your, your energy use in terms, of, in terms of energy per transaction, that is going to asymptotically approach a zero as your, energy, as your transactions grow. And so what they're really doing is kind of like giving themselves an angle where they can quote energy in a way that if they ramp up transactions on the network, the energy use goes down. And so it's it's to me, to my mind it's a as an engineer it's a disingenuous way to quote your energy use. Don't quote it in terms of because if, if they had infinite transactions on the network, they would have zero energy use. Right. And so it's it's just not it's not genuine, right? And this goes back to what you're saying. It's like everyone says they're the best, but a lot of times it's colored in a way that's not very uh, genuine. Mm, you can use stats to prove anything. I'm guessing there would be a place for the public to go to be able to find and see the objective data on that. Is there somewhere you could see that? Versus just yeah, yeah, just sure. he, so, versus just hearing the spoof about about Algorand specifically. Just just in general with all the different cryptos <laughs> that are out there that should be green. I think it's I think it's quite tricky. I think you, you can do it for for networks that are not permissioned. So it's easy to do for Cardano. It's easy to do for Algorand. Uh, it's easy to do for Ethereum. Uh, certain networks are trickier because they don't have as much public information. But for example, you can go to there's websites for Cardano you can go to and you can see how many nodes there are. You can see uh, what, you know, what, what portion is in, in AWS versus GCP versus on bare metal versus Hertzner or whatever. You can do the same for Algorand. You can see how many nodes. And of course, there's a little bit of estimation in the sense that like how much energy does a computer use? Well, it depends on the computer, but in general, we have a, a rough estimate for how much energy an AWS instance or EC2 instance would use. And from there, you can, you can interpolate the numbers. But okay. um but yeah, very much uh, possible to do. Uh, for things like Bitcoin, of course, a little bit trickier because you're trying to factor in how much power an ASIC uses versus, you know, GPU right. and that kind of yep. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned something in there that I, I, wa I want to touch upon because it was probably one of the last biggest headlines that we saw that kind of spread across Twitter, the internet, and that was the partnership with FIFA. I want to know, like, has anything really come from that partnership, Algorand and FIFA? Because you mentioned soccer tickets earlier and 
kind of brought to mind. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking to a number of different people about doing interesting things with ticketing. I think it's one of the great use cases of NFTs is like, you know, access to clubs, access to lounges, access to, you know, um, yes, yeah, stuff that's like exclusive, right? Uh, whether that's a soccer stadium or uh, an NBA game or whatever. Right? Um, on the FIFA thing, uh, it was an ink initiative, right? So really that was a kind of a thing that the ink did. And so when I say the ink, I should be clear. Algorand is, you know, a triangle. At the top, we have Silvio, our founder. Uh, here we have the foundation, which is responsible for ecosystem, and then the Inc. is our partner that builds the network. It's, they write the code for the actual protocol itself. And so together, we all uh, build for uh, Planet Algorand, right? Um, and so with FIFA, it was it was a deal that was done with, with, through the Inc. It wasn't something that the foundation uh, controlled. Um, but I think in its in its first drop, uh, I think people were disappointed that they couldn't move the the the, what I heard on the internet and what I heard in social media was that people were a little bit disappointed that they couldn't like uh, withdraw the, the the NFTs into their into their private wallets rather than doing it through the website. And I totally I totally understand that. Right. I think uh, the people who behind it have learned from that a little bit, and uh, I was pleased to learn uh, that uh, there was another drop of NFTs for the Women's World Cup, which is coming up, uh, and they have, uh, as I understand, sold very well. So I think good and bad there. Um, <laughs> I think you know we'll have to see how how the relationship progresses, but. I think it's still something that was important to do in the sense that um, it's highlighted to organizations of that tier, okay, because FIFA is, of course, a, a major organization, mm. that Alg when, when you do a drop on Algorand or when you issue, uh, when you do an enterprise-grade application on Algorand, the, the network itself is able to stand up to the type of usage uh, that, that organizations of that tier require. And so it shows the ability for Algorand to stand the test of, of use we're such a major organization and a major a major drop but i think like anything uh there's things we could have done better yeah for sure no it was definitely it was something that caught a lot of people's eye you know people are always mm -hmm. looking for consumer facing dapps you know um real world adoption of, of layer one <laughs> blockchains and on this channel and on our social media a lot josh and i were consistently talking about narratives in crypto you know whether it's mm -hmm. it's the DeFi narrative or if it's play to earn gaming or it's metaverse or tokenization of real world assets there's always a story or even, you know, green energy projects or sustainable projects. There's always a story that's being told. Sometimes it's by Web2 companies, you know, maybe like Facebook changing their name to Meta, which spurs the Metaverse run or something that's going on in the real world that filters into crypto that builds a narrative and, and builds a hype based generation about certain projects in certain sectors of crypto. So I kind of want to yeah. along the same line of FIFA. I want to ask you, you know, when you're looking at Algorand right now as an entire ecosystem. Is there certain sectors where you're seeing more projects being built or you're maybe more excited about than others? Or where are you seeing the adoption from in terms of projects being built? Are they generally enterprise-facing at the moment, more enterprise-facing? Or are you seeing a lot more consumer-facing dApps coming forward? Just speak to the ecosystem and the narratives and the different sectors would be interesting. And so I think I would start by saying when I arrived about a, about a year ago um, at the foundation, Algorand as a protocol was killer good. What wasn't killer good then was the developer tools, okay, the tooling that you use. And so it's so important to get that right. If you look at any of the major software houses around the world, whether it's uh, Microsoft, Google, or Apple, if you look at how serious Apple take their developer tooling, they've had an entire week of celebration about it in, with WWDC this week where they've launched all their cool stuff, but they have sessions and labs and they've got hours and hours of content talking about these APIs and how Xcode has changed and evolved and everything else. Um, and so, it's very, very important because what is Algorand and what is Cardano and what is uh, Ethereum at their at their soul? They're really decentralized uh, operating systems. 
there are platforms on which you run applications. Those applications, we call them dApps, but really they're just computer applications. Uh, they're running in a decentralized context, um, but they're effectively operating systems. And we have to, just like with Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, we have to make it attractive for people to build on Algorand and make it easy for people to build and realize their vision on Algorand. And so one of the things I'm most proud about was what we've done with AlgoKit, but maybe we can, we can talk about it a little bit later, but AlgoKit is just this tool suite we launched uh, that helps people build apps in the easiest, shortest, uh, easiest way in the shortest time frame possible. Um, and so since we've built AlgoKit, we've seen a huge adoption of this. And so um, to put it in perspective, if you take something like Python, uh, Python 3, which is a major uh, language package that's, of course, uh, used by everyone from AI to ML uh, guys all the way to uh, data modelers and mathematicians, you know, it sees thousands of downloads in, a, in, a, in any given month, naturally. Um, for AlgoKit, we've seen uh, tens of thousands of downloads in, in the first few weeks of launch. Now, that's not going to stay like that forever because it's, at some point, everyone's got a copy of it and they don't really need to download it again. Sure. Um, but like, it was just thrilling to see that there was actually a huge glut of people who really needed a, a tool like that and were, were quick to jump on it and embrace it. And so um, just to, you know, to answer your question then more directly, um, I'm, I'm generally, you know, as a CTO within the foundation, I generally feel agnostic towards the various use cases. And, and the reason I, I say that is because I don't particularly think anyone is, is particularly more valuable than the other. Um, but at the same time, I think the things that are maybe most interesting to me is watching the tokenization of real world assets, uh, watching the fractionalization of real world assets, including things like homes. Uh, we have a number of projects out there uh, that are like Kobai as an example, which are, you know, allowing people to own homes together in, 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 a, in, a, in a valid, in a, in a legally valid way where, and this provides accessibility. Um, to people to own assets that they would have never been able to own before when it wasn't when it just wasn't the case that you could do this fractionally um i think as well uh, projects that empower people are really significant and so one of the things i'm quite proud about uh well, i had nothing to do with it just to be clear but one of the projects i'm proud to have on the chain i should say is uh it are things like has uh, pay so there's uh you know an application out there adapt that provides a digital version of Afghan currency. The Afghan currency is called the Afghani. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, particularly women in, in Afghanistan uh, who are living in an environment where they're, they're not permitted to have ac free access to banking. And so this is incredibly restrictive and not a great way to live in, in, in 2023. And so Hasape has managed to create uh, a digital version of the Afghani and that's cool, okay? But it's only cool if women can actually use it out there to do things. And they have tens of thousands of users who are using this thing, and it's accepted in over ten thousand merchants in Afghanistan Af across wow. Afghanistan. And so, like that's to me, it's like you know, our network being up means quite literally that a lady in Afghanistan is potentially able to acquire something that she needs that she wouldn't have access to uh, without that service. And so, they're quite you know real things. Now, it's not all about heavy impact stuff that. That, that it has a very deep humanitarian aspect to it. it there's, of course, plenty of space for things like uh, games and, and travel X. And one thing actually I'm, I'm personally excited about it is, is ticketing and the idea that we can get rid of Ticketmaster, which is a scourge upon our upon the nation, <laughs> um, um, and, and kind of like allow, uh, whether, it's, whether it's a Guns N' Roses concert or it's a Real Madrid game, allow uh, resale of tickets between people in a way that can be trusted, uh, in a way that you know that the ticket has a, is, 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 is is real 
um, and you cut out the tax and the middleman, I mean, not the government tax, but the, the tax that uh, things like Ticketmaster put on. Um, so those kind of things I think are, are super cool. Um, but even the, the meme coins are fun. I, I don't judge the, you know, the, the Pepe's and stuff. I mean, I don't hold, I don't hold any myself, but uh, if people get a, get fun out of it, that's great. Once, once they're prepared to lose some money. Absolutely. Hey, uh, on that question of ticketing, because you know, I'm the, I'm the nifty investor, with the yeah. NFTs and I, you know, I see the, the real world asset tokenization. I see the ticketing um, for real world events. How far off is Algorand from potentially releasing something where that we can start getting rid of Ticketmaster. Yeah, well, um, I can't get into that specifically, but put it this way, we're we're talking to lots of different people who are interested in it. And so I see it as something that's really bubbling up at the moment. And so I don't think it's gonna be very long before we see significant moves in that direction because it is such an obvious play. It is such an obvious win to everyone, who to all the actors who would be involved in, in, a, in a system like that. Um, and certainly Algorand has the tech at, right now both in terms of the developer tools and the operating system that is the network uh, to deliver on that at a global scale. So, uh, so I, I think soon, but uh, yeah, I can't get into the okay, specifics. Fair enough. And I also wanted to see, like you mentioned 10,000 downloads of uh, algo kit, I believe it was, and you got Hasapi in Afghanistan. Obviously you can yeah. see these metrics and you can see that there's a ton of downloads occurring uh, from yeah. these dApps in the Algorand ecosystem. Where are you seeing most of this, uh, adoption occur and what do you attribute that to sure do you mean do you mean like which Are geographic you, yeah, region? geographical um, locations yeah i mean um i don't have the latest data on that but and by the way the way we the way we but i'll give you i'll give you uh, my, my insight into it uh, from what i understand the way we we measure like downloads is when you're downloading algorand uh, algo kit as an example the developer tools you do it through either a pip so the python package manager you do it using homebrew on the mac uh, or you can do it, I think, uh, using Chocolatey on Windows, which is a package manager for Windows. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit, uh, we, we have to kind of work with the metrics and, and the te uh, telemetry that they give us. We have to, not all of them have very robust telemetry around geographic things. We also have, you know, not, uh, when people launch a project, we're able to see if they hit uh, GitHub as an example for, for certain things. So that there's certain ways we can try to track, but we don't have, I guess, mm. a perfect insight into this. But it, you know, it's, it's as you kind of expect, uh, except for one anomaly, which is we see a ton of folks in, in um, the Middle East uh, downloads, so a lot around India, uh, a lot around kind of uh, Middle Eastern Europe, more than we'd expect there. Of course, you've got the glut in, in, in Europe. You've, you've got a big chunk in the United States where we have a big footprint, of course. But um, I think the biggest emerging market uh, seems to be uh, India, where a lot of people are very excited about, about Web3. Quickly, just I uh, wanted to chime in on the, you know, the NFT tickets and all that kind of stuff. The consumer-facing yeah. stuff, I feel like it really really vibes with us a lot and on our channel because it's, it's a tangible product mm -hmm. that people can see. And you know the yeah. promise of, of crypto and blockchain and Web3 as a whole is that it's going to gradually change all of these industries like you mentioned you know Ticketmaster being the scourge upon the earth and i completely agree because they're basically running a monopoly where they can just say oh yeah 20 percent uh, ticket fee and 10 percent you want to go to the concert fee and you know all kinds of yeah, bullshit yeah. right and it just doesn't make sense so you know we've, we've all been sold all these promises that web3 and blockchain and crypto are going to solve all these great things and you know i think we can all agree that the use cases are there but you know these things do take a lot of time so, you know, I'm wondering, talking to, you know, someone behind the scenes in one of the projects, an actual CTO, what are the biggest, you know, 
you know, and we could, we could probably talk about this one question for hours, but in, in a short form, again, like a, a simplified answer, what would be the biggest challenges you think that maybe not even just Algorand, the whole blockchain industry is facing to solve some of these big problems, whether it be the NFT tickets or whether it be cross-border payments or whether it be whatever it is, you know, all these promises that have been made to the consumers, what are the challenges that are facing the, the actual, the real people and teams in crypto to make these things happen and solve these issues? Yeah, great question. Um, a lot of good questions from you guys, actually. Um, so um, I was talking to a pal of mine just before this. I was talking to a friend of mine and he made an interesting point to me. He said, uh, he thinks blockchain is a little bit like a AIML was or machine learning, let's say, uh, was, uh, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago. Everyone knew about it. It, it, it was really exciting for, for a bit. And then it, it seemed to just be chilling a little bit. It wasn't really kind of like being explosive. And I think we can all agree uh, it's back on the scene. People are very excited about it, you know. Um, and that's partly due to ChatGPT and how conversational you can talk to this robot and, or this bot, and it's, it's quite quite amazing about any topic. It's also to do with stable diffusion and generative, uh, you know, uh, noise uh, diffusion networks uh, being able to generate art. And he made the point that, hey, look, look how explosive this stuff has become in the last little while, and it's technology that was that was cool ten years ago. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for really advanced technologies to bed themselves in in a way that they are where where people can can get their head around them vibe with them and then finally adopt them and sometimes that that adoption just takes maybe a little bit longer and i think we we will probably see a lot more adoption over the next kind of five years i would hope uh similar to how we've seen that with with gpt4 yeah absolutely and then just to, to answer your question though uh the challenge is usability and so this is like everything from Hey Ledger, now you know. Do, do, how does my seed work? You're 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 taking my seed. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, all the way to like the 24 words. What the hell are they? All the way to like, oh my wallet's been hacked. Like that's not a good usability experience. People are stressing all the time. They're feeling vulnerable, and we have to solve that. We have to solve it in a way. You you, you don't stress about it when you're when you're using Netflix. It's it's got to be super seamless. It's got to be something where you don't. Yes, there's a self sovereignty responsibility. Yes, crypto is like. I own it, not my bank, and therefore I have to trust myself a little bit. I'm not saying we should do away with that because it's one of the important virtues, I think, this idea that you're in control, but we have to make it so that the user experience isn't as rigid as it currently is. And I think that's something across the industry. Um, there's lots of little things there, and sometimes you just need a few of them to come together um, to make a, 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 an experience that's magic versus one that has a lot of friction. And I think we have friction at the moment. Um, the second thing is trust. I think it's funny, blockchain, by its very nature, is a technology that gives the users a certainty of a degree of certainty and a degree of trust that's higher than any technology that we've seen before. Okay, mathematical and cryptographic guarantees of security and trust. And yet, my 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 feel is that to the general public, they still feel like it's a bit of a kind of a casino. Uh, it's a bit like a bit you know silly. It's or maybe it's a bit scammy. Maybe if I can use that term. Yep. Not every single person, of course, not the developers working in it, not people like me who work for, for leading foundations, but I'm talking about the average person who doesn't really understand this stuff. And so it takes a little bit of time for that perception to change. I think people probably felt the same about, about stocks when they came out or whatever, right? When you had like big runs on stocks when they were first popular. And now, of course, they're a settled, mature right. uh, asset class. And so I don't think, from a, and this is a personal perspective, not one from the foundation, 
<clears throat> I don't think we're ever going to go back to a, to a place or a world where we don't have these crypto assets. And why do I say that? I say it because I think the idea or the concept of a an internet native decentralized digital asset class that is self-sovereign, permissionless, and censorship resistant, that as a concept and an idea, separate to whatever project you're a maxi for, is a valuable thing. It's something that is an important asset class to have alongside the other ones that we have, like stocks and shares and bonds and everything else, and, and precious metals, et cetera. And so, and so I, I don't see that disappearing, despite, uh, despite the fact that we've lost some trust. I think as well, uh, thing, events like the SBF thing, uh, events like the, um, the 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 Doquan thing, w w w the stablecoin thing, yep. uh, those things have eroded eroded trust as well, with, with, even with experienced users. And so it, it's going to take time to, to to win those things back. And yes, we can build great tech like it, with, with Algorand. We can build quantum uh, quantum secure uh, decentralized networks. We can make things like AlgoKit, which changed the game in terms of dev dev experience. Uh, we can. We can have great marketing and comms and, and, and bring this technology to people, but we need also people to have general trust in, in, in the industry. And so that's something that, that's a greater thing than, than Algorand can solve. It's something that we have to solve as an industry, I think. There's definitely a lot of doom and gloom um, facing the crypto industry at the moment as it pertains to Binance and Coinbase and you know all the allegations from the SEC. You know, there hasn't been yeah. a lot of clarity. So there has been you know, a Pepe coin, which you said is super exciting, but it also highlights the fact that there is still like this bit of a joke that surrounds crypto web three, et cetera. Um, yeah. In saying that, um, there is a lot of retail investors who watch our show. There's also a lot mm -hmm. of developers. So swaying away from the doom and gloom, let's say, what are some future announcements that could really get people excited about Algorand? You know, I follow you on Twitter and I noticed you said, uh, there was a one click nodes coming in Q2. And yep. I saw that on Reddit and it seems like it's getting a lot of attraction, some hype. You know, could you elaborate a little bit on what these one click nodes are and how maybe it pertains to security, et cetera? Yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, so, um, and I agree with you. There's a bit of doom and gloom at the moment. I think that's natural, by the way, in a bear market. And, uh, and you know, I've been through long bear markets before where the price seems to constantly drop and it's not fun for, for anyone. I mean, people like stable markets. They don't like markets that go one way. Whether if it's going up or down all the time, it's not a good thing. You want you want stability, so people can 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 use it um, for its intended purpose. Um, and by the way, on the meme coins, like I said, they can be fun, but ultimately, just like uh, Shiba Inu or anything else, any of these meme coins, Dogecoin, Pepe, whatever, they're fun. Like it is a it's it is a bit of a kind of a casino for people, but you got it's fine once people realize mm. that these are extreme hyper volatile assets uh, that you know, you're more than likely to lose money on once people are going in with that perception then that's fine i think if grown grown people can do what they want <laughs> yep. um and so in terms of like what's coming so there's a whole bunch of things let me start with the one click nodes the one click like we have a small enough team at the foundation it's it's tens of people not hundreds of people and so you know we only can kind of achieve so much as an engineering team uh, it's a very small little core kind of engineering team and so the one click nodes just started as an idea and my idea was it should be really easy for someone to take an old computer an old macbook an old windows computer whatever and run one of these nodes so that they can contribute to the decentralization of the network and so on algorand we've got uh you know participation nodes and relay nodes and participation nodes or i like to call them consensus nodes they do consensus they make the blocks they validate the blocks etc 
And so I want to make it super easy for people to run both, both of these types of nodes, but specifically the participation nodes, because that adds to the decentralization of the network. The more people that are staking Algo, the more secure Algo is. And so what I'm going to try to do, and it will be released this month, we're going to hit the, the Q2, it just, uh, as, you, as you'll, you'll find with, with engineering things, maybe you've seen this already yourselves, uh, it always, you, you always go to the wire on software engineering because uh, it, the last 20% of the, of, of the work seems to take most of the time. But um, what, what's going to happen is people will be able to hit, hit our website, copy a single line, a single command, run that on their computer, and then up will come an Algorand node running properly configured, et cetera. And so there's going to be different stages to this. So the first stage, it'll still require maybe copy pasting a single command, which is pretty great. But of course, not everyone wants to do that. But over the course of the next couple of months as well, after we have this initial version out, which will be a single one-liner, right? Anyone, if they follow the instructions, they can run the node um, in a single command. But after this, we're going to have maybe hopefully a, a UI, a, sorry, a UI, a GUI around it, like a UI around it, so that uh, people have a more visual way to interact with this stuff, um, so that they don't require any kind of like command prompt or or terminal uh, to, to run this stuff. But the ultimate goal um, when it comes out is that it's going to enable a whole new tier of people who weren't able or weren't technical or didn't have the time to go to GitHub, look at the source code. Git clone the source code, compile the source code, understand that they have to switch into a directory containing the binary, execute the binary with the right command prompt, with, with, with the right uh, parameters, um, you know, understand what a staking key is, understand how to generate them, properly load the staking key. Like all that stuff is friction. And that's keeping people away from staking their algo. And so one click nodes is a side project run by only uh, one or two people at the, at the foundation. But what, what, what we're going to end up with is a system where a normal person who's not a computer genius can run an Algorand node and contribute to the health of the network. Um, <clears throat> I would say as well, another thing I'm very excited about this year, um, as well as the protocol, by the way, I shouldn't skip over the protocol. I'm not actively working on the protocol for Algorand because that's what the Inc do. But we work we work, you know, hand in hand. Uh, certainly technical decisions um, are made together, but they're, they are doing, they are executing on, on, on the code. Um, but we have some killer stuff, like I said, you know, uh, protocol upgrades, uh, we'll have lower finality times, we'll have faster TPS, um, and hopefully doing so all whilst having the same robust network we've had. Um, but AlgoKit is probably the thing I'm most excited about. We just released version 1.1. 1 .1. Uh, that follows version 1, which we dropped uh, a few months ago. And so in March, we released version 1. It's now June, we released version 1.1. And version 1.1 allows you to interact with your smart contract using Python, pure Python or, or TypeScript. So we're kind of getting into the mainstream now. Um, and version two, which is the end of this year, is going to bring two killer features that are going to open up Algorand development to everyone. And so I'm not allowed to talk too much about it because they want me. They want to do a big, exciting announcement soon enough. But uh, that's basically the, the the headline is accessibility to everyone for building on Algorand. Very much modeled after uh, what Apple have done with 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 Swift where you know, kids with an iPad now can get their first app up and running because the language is just so simple. So yeah, I would say they're, they're the, this year, they're the things I'm excited about. Um, oh, and one last thing, as well as one-click nodes, we need to push towards further decentralization. So we're going to be looking at ways to, uh, to increase decentralization for the network as a whole, um, and I'm working on, on that with the Inc. So I think there's good news, uh, exciting news coming there uh, as well, but uh, I won't get into the specifics until it's nailed down. Interesting. Well, I mean, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of 
crazy cool developments coming from Algorand. I feel like, you know, we touched upon this earlier in the episode. There's so much fluff and so much talk in the crypto industry about who's doing what, but it's, it's always great for us to bring, especially technical, you know, oriented people onto the show because it gives people, you know, people are so caught up with, you know, when token go up and all that kind of stuff. But when you actually, and, and Josh and I actually came to the same conclusion after we went to Austin, when you actually talk to the people and the teams behind all these projects that you see people talking about on Twitter and you see on CoinMarketCap all the time, it really gives you a, an interesting insight into what's being built and the technology behind it. Whereas some projects might be all talk and no delivery, it certainly seems like Algorand has the tech and the people and the roadmap and all these projects to back it up. So it's re really been interesting learning about that kind of stuff. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been great. Um, you know, anytime we do get a chance to speak to these teams, it gives you like that, ah, okay, I'm happy to be an Algorand holder. Or I'm yeah. happy to be X holder. Like, so it has been really great speaking to, to you today, John. Uh, appreciate all the information you've brought to our listeners, to our viewers, uh, and helping to educate even Shane and I on what exactly is happening over at Algorand. Because you're right, Shane, like you don't always get to hear or see what's happening behind the scenes. We can come to our own conclusions, yep. but it's not until you actually speak to the people on these teams to get that clarity and insight as to what is actually happening. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, John, uh, it's been a it's been a massive pleasure to have you on the show today. We've learned a lot about Algorand, and I think you're going to generate a lot of excitement about Algorand within our community and yours as well. So, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, listen, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. All right. Well, um, this has been a great episode today, and uh, make sure to like and subscribe if you want to see more content like this. Make sure you tune to the next episode. That one is going to be a banger. All views expressed by speakers on the Bean Pod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on the Bean Pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only.